0: live from tel aviv two nice jewish
1: boys this podcast is made in cooperation with the jewish journal www.jewishjournal.com on october 5th 2017 only a few months ago a report published in the new york times shook the foundations at the epicenter of america's film and television industry hollywood more than a dozen women accused the hugely successful film producer harvey weinstein of sexual harassment abuse, and rape. These allegations brought about a wave of accusations against prominent male figures in film and TV. It gave birth to a movement named Me Too, and recently another movement named Time's Up, both aimed at empowering women to speak up against sexual violence and misconduct. One year before this seismic report, there was a warning tremor, a tremor that was nonetheless seismic for the person reporting. A journalist from the Los Angeles Jewish Journal published an essay titled, My Sexual Assault and Yours, Every Woman's Story. That journalist's name is Danielle Barron. Danielle reframed from naming names and instead conveyed her experience, her trauma, and the devastation she felt from this once idolized man. Soon it became clear that this man was the prominent Israeli journalist Ari Shavit. Shavit apologized begrudgingly and stepped down from the public stage. Israel's media world was shaken to its roots. Danielle Baron joins us today to talk about her story, the Me Too campaign, and how, after the ashes settle, we might be able to build a better future. Two Nice Jewish Boys is produced by us on our free
0: time. If you feel like helping us out and donating, go to 2NJB.com slash donate. Any donation is much appreciated.
1: How are you, Danielle?
2: I'm fantastic. I'm in Tel Aviv. (laughs) Thanks for having me. This is so exciting to finally meet you both face-to-face. Thank you for for
1: joining us. So, how's it in Tel Aviv?
2: It's beautiful. It's a little chilly. Yeah. I had to bring my my los angeles winter coat which of course is uh, not very thick los angeles is
1: like the one place you can come from to israel and then think this is chilly
2: exactly like basically i was prepared for this kind of weather yeah yeah
0: so danielle can you just tell us really shortly what happened with in case that some people might not know what we're talking about
2: oh my god i feel like i've
0: you don't want to talk about it?
2: I mean, I feel like I've told this story. They can read it. It's yeah, online. you told
0: it. Uh, well, maybe we can. Do you mind if we?
2: I mean, I don't think there's much more we need to say than, you know, I I went to a meeting, an interview with uh, someone that I was very excited to interview. It was, by all intents and purposes, a professional interview um, where he was the subject and I was going to be the interviewer. And uh during what was supposed to be a professional interview it it turned into something very different and it was um it became a scene of uh, deep discomfort for me and I think there was uh, aggression on his part and um I, instead of being treated like a serious journalist I think I was immediately sexualized and I think that was the that was the first place where it went wrong.
1: I think, I mean, your reaction right now just goes to show how difficult it is to talk about it and how difficult it must have been to come out about uh, with it. What I mean, can you describe, can you talk to us about that, about how it is, I mean, because... When I read these these uh, these women that come forth, the first thing—and I know it's not, you know, uh, it's not from a place of knowledge of understanding where they where what they're going through—but mm-hmm. the first thing that goes through my mind is like, just you know, say something. So, how? What is that difficulty that you confront right afterwards, where you know, you well, don't?
2: Right. So, I think so. There's a couple different things, and I think what I'll come to in a moment is the lesson that I learned. It's so – we live in a world where there is there is a power imbalance for the most part between – we live in a patriarchal culture in many, many, many countries around the world and there is an imbalance between the power that a man comes to the table with and the power that a woman, especially a young woman who's you know, on the ascending arc of her career and someone who is well-established and well-known and it was – you know, getting an interview with someone like Shavit was a... That was a big get for someone like me at the Jewish Journal of Los Angeles. You know, it's a smaller niche newspaper. I'm not from the New York Times. And he was the... He was the guy. N-
0: the most important yes. uh, journalist in Israel he, he was, for years. Yeah,
2: and I think he was an equally important voice on Israeli subjects in the American Jewish community. Right, he was
0: doing a tour, a book yeah. tour with his new book. Yeah.
2: yeah. So, you know... Um, I mean just being in those situations you feel you know you feel vulnerable going into it and I think and and also I don't want to compare what I went through I mean I think what we've seen in the last several months is that there are women who have suffered really deep trauma I wouldn't call I I went through a deeply upsetting and uncomfortable experience uh, that I shouldn't have had to go through but I I'm not sure that I would call it a traumatic experience. there was no violence there was no you know and some of these women were, raped and suffered really really serious sexual assault so i don't put myself in that category and i was very clear about that when i wrote my piece but what it does do is it's and
0: self sorry but in self-imposing there is a bit of violence in it
2: there's no question there's an element i mean i wouldn't
0: say it wasn't violent at all
2: i think that it's I think that there is a level of aggression right. that is present that's that's deeply unsettling and uncomfortable and, and does cause harm. I'm not going to say that it was harmless, but I don't know if I would go so far as to say that my experience was violent. Um, but, you know, going back to what you asked, I think the difference that this quote-unquote reckoning has made in the lives of women like me is that if i were to find myself in that same situation again tomorrow night i remember that my first act when i arrived for the interview is i sat down we said hello and i put my recorder out on the table at the Mm get-go and that was when he said oh not yet i want to get to know you first and i think that was the moment Where I should have said and where I would say now, look, I'm here to do an interview and we're either going to do this and we're going to do it now and we're going to do it like this or I'm out the door. So I don't want to, and that's not an act of self-blame, but I think that was one of those moments where if I had felt more empowered and less, um, less needful of what he was offering me, Which was the big interview? Then it would have been a different situation, and I think that those are the choice. And it's look, it's not a nice choice. You don't want to have to make the choice between something that's going to be beneficial to your newspaper, beneficial to your career, something that you're going to enjoy writing about, something Mm -hmm. that's meaningful to you. I mean, this was the sub. I mean, this, and by the way, like let's not forget, the subject was Israel itself.
1: Mm -hmm. So.
2: There's nothing bigger for a Jewish journalist to sit down and discuss with another person than the contents of yeah. his book. Um, and it's not common for books like that to hit so big, which it did. Yeah. And it was so powerful. It was a brilliant book. I mean, I'm still, I'm, I, I still find myself, I mean... I I I sell the book. I mean, I was at a Hanukkah party how a few you- weeks ago, and I was telling. We were all talking. Me too, and stories, stories. And I'm telling my story, and I said, "Oh, but by the way, his book's really good. You should read <laughs> so, it." In. So, how so we you- can
0: recommend Louis C.K. comedy <laughs> still. That's basically what you
1: said. I mean, but
2: this comes to like <laughs> another one of these, and this is like the larger question of, and there has been a lot written on this about how do we, how do we respond to and consume the art of quote-unquote, monstrous men. Right. Well, you... this is
0: an old question, uh, because Polan- we had Polanski, mm-hmm. we have Woody Allen, mm-hmm. we just uh, are, you know, we are attacked by it once again, maybe more yeah. violently now. How to reconcile. But wouldn't you say that also, you talked about the change the Me Too campaign made for women like yourself. Wouldn't another change be the fact that if something like that happened tomorrow night, uh, you would also... Um, share it or would be less afraid to share it more instant instantly
2: well what i will say is i did share my experience right away with people that i was close to i'm not the kind of person that goes to twitter to say this just happened to me i'll never be that person some people are i certainly think that there's a there's an increased tolerance for people spilling their guts in social media that we was maybe a little more taboo and more conservative traditional societies. I think that's one of the new weird things about social media, but I shared it immediately. I mean, I, I mean publicly. Yeah. So, you Don't know, you
0: think it's important?
2: I do. Th- I do. I mean, I, I absolutely think all of this has been important. And um, I'm one of those people who actually, even though it pains me, I think that even though I think there are some instances where we need to be much more discerning about what we mean when we say sexual harassment, sexual assault, rape. I mean, there's been this moment where, you know, any guy who's pissed you off or looked at you the wrong way in the last, you know, 20 years, all of a sudden, this is your turn to say like,
1: you know, so where- that schmuck.
2: But, um, <sighs> but no, I think we have to be really careful about that. But I I also think that it's so important that we have this moment to just put it out there and voice what's been enraging us for so long that we've had to tolerate it and swallow it and live with it and deal with it and it didn't matter to anyone that it's okay with me on some level that it's there has been a lack of discretion I think I'm so confused, just,
0: you're <laughs> from saying, your you're answer,
1: confused. You're saying that you you feel like it's okay that people are just kind of spewing yeah, all of this, I, I do. whether it's a little past the line. I'll tell you or... why, yes,
2: because I think that part of this conversation and part of this process has to be how, like, let's talk about the specificity of what it means yeah. to sexually harass or to sexually assault or what rape is. Like I think we have to have these conversations and we have to be very clear what we're talking about so that we can separate the, the, the gray areas or the non areas from the areas where there's real wrongdoing.
1: So I, I, I'm wondering, cause generally when this, I mean, when this discourse surfaces, the problem that I see is that there's a certain, um, uh, 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 element of emotion there's a certain sensitivity to it because obviously you're dealing with victims and people who have gone through traumatic experiences do you see that there i mean where, where do we draw the lines in the discourse as far as like you know uh do, do you do you see a problem with rationality with using rationality when ad- when addressing these these issues because of the fact that there's you know victims that you're that are part of the discourse you get do you understand what I'm getting at? Is it do you think that it's problematic that part of the discourse is, are, are the victims. You get what I'm saying? People that, that, are, in too the conversational, that are in the conversation are victims and then it's too emotional No, because to even, discuss. I mean,
2: go to a legal trial. Yeah. You can choose to testify or not testify and sometimes victim testimony is one of the most powerful and persuasive instruments you can use, mm-hmm. um, either in a prosecution or in a defense. So I wouldn't say... So no, I, I think it's absolutely relevant. I mean, these are this is where the story is originating from. These are people's experiences. And I think that we all, I mean, we're storytellers, right? I mean, you're a filmmaker and we do interviews and we're journalists and storytelling is what we do. And storytelling is deep, deep in the DNA of the Jewish people. So I don't think this is a time to discount the importance of the source of a story. I think that's... I mean, so
0: how? As, because I'm back to my confusion. Mm-hmm. Because
2: I think that we can interrogate it, I think that we can have communal discussions about defining that's why that's why this is so healthy because i think we're asking all these questions and i think look i mean um this woman wrote in the new york times the other day Daphne merkin said you know what happened to female empowerment i have all these women friends that know where to draw the line and they don't let they don't just let a man you know grab their ass without giving him a smack or telling him hell no you know so I think, and she got she got pilloried. I mean, there were thousands and thousands of comments. So, but to me, it's all a good thing. Like, these are the conversations we need to be having. And I don't think it's, I don't think it's so far off base to expect after a learning process that a woman feel more empowered to draw the line with a man when she's feeling uncomfortable. About drawing
0: the line, there's no discussion. But if something were to happen... Mm-hmm. Then don't you think it's good? And it's a, what would you tell a young journalist, female journalist, who something like that happened to her? Would you tell her don't wait and you know go to the police, but also write about it or leak it to the press or do something about it, rather than not?
2: I I absolutely feel like there has to be accountability. So I would say you know if that happens to someone tomorrow, I would say tell your editors report it to whatever apparatus is available to you I mean some people have human resource departments if you work for a specific organization if you are raped absolutely you should report it you should go to the police you should do a rape kit there's no question about that I mean I think you have to you're you're only going to decrease your chances for justice if you stay silent
0: after what happened sorry What after what happened to you did you try to reach Haaretz and you know be, through back doors and no nothing no what was why your not? thought process if i didn't we may ha- ask.
2: i didn't have one there was no there's no you have to understand there there's no script for this i think part of why this is so helpful is because we're talking about these things you guys would not be interviewing someone about this if we were rounds five ten years ago Mm -hmm. so the fact that we're having these conversations we're even considering these kinds of questions is a tremendous testament to how important this is now and how successful it is because there was no script you know I came out of a situation and the best thing I could do was the next morning to call my editor and say and I did I said I had a horrible experience and guess what no but you know why I had to call her because I didn't get the interview I, I, they knew that that's what I was going to do. I had said, I'm doing this this week. You can expect that I will file a story on this. Mm-hmm. And I had to call her the next day and say, I failed. And it was my failure.
1: Did you explain what? Of course I explained. Okay. And I was
2: very, very lucky that I had a s- deeply feminist female editor who said... And by the way, I mean, I was supposed to... You know, the way that it was set up was we'll get to know each other this one night and then we'll do the interview the next night, which, of course, I didn't find out until I showed up to do it. So I went home terrified because I was like, I don't want to do this again. And Mm -hmm. she said, are you kidding me? Forget it. Forget it. You're not doing the interview. And that was it. And we just dropped it.
1: Did she push you to publish that story?
2: no, no one did. No, no one did. It um it was not a story that I ever thought I was going to tell, and so you know. And you... by the by the way, the other thing is, you know, I mean, it's it's kind of ridiculous, but I had written a piece in two thousand and eight about going to interview the director Brett Ratner, right? And he behaved disgustingly with me, and which was um, foreshadowing, um, which, which I wrote about, and and I will also say, the tone. And that I used for that piece and the tone that I used in the eventual Shavit piece was very, very different. And we're talking about almost a decade had gone by. So I right. had grown up. The culture had grown up. We were already more clear about what behavior is acceptable and what behavior is not acceptable. But when I wrote the Brett Ratner story, I, I almost treated it like it was cute. But I wrote that there were... Very uncomfortable, ugly things going on. I mean, it's all is that in the story piece. online. Oh yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I, anyway.
1: I want to go back to the and, and ask about the discourse and what what your thoughts are on. I, I'm wondering if you see if there's because you were talking about how you feel like it's okay that people are uh, you know crossing the line sometimes, uh, even though the line is gray, but crossing the lines and saying you know things that maybe aren't necessarily sexual harassment or whatever because that's part of the discourse
2: i think when you're having such a public purging yeah it's it's inevitable that there's going to be some kind of collateral damage
1: but i'm wondering how important you think it is to keep uh some kind of tone to the discourse or if you think that you know it's just it's free shooting and i'm not i'm not saying either is right i'm wondering what you think if it's just kind of uh you know, uh, free for all, and and everybody can. Cu- and that's part of the the process. evolution, or the part of the process. Um, or if we need to draw lines,
2: I think we are starting to draw lines. I think that like the piece Daphne Merkin wrote last week was not a piece you would have seen published in October, mm-hmm. but now that a few months have gone by and we've seen this this purging and this reckoning that now people are starting to question and challenge, well, does this count? And is this an exaggeration or is this uh, in the gray area? Um, so I think, I think we're already starting to see uh, a kind of moderating mm-hmm. of this uh, sort of like free and unfettered, um,
0: you know, what was amazing to me is that, first of all, now there's the old Catherine Deneb uh, letter. You heard about that? Catherine Deneb, no. The new, um, but uh, you
2: know, I just got a letter, I got an email from this, uh, f- he's like an American expat who lives in Paris and he teaches a course and he's showing, um, he's showing a film called uh I think my preferred season is the English translation but of course in French it's something else and I can't remember but it's about a film that she was in where apparently there's this male pursuer who does like he basically assaults her a couple of times he's very aggressive he does things she doesn't like she literally has to flee from him and then finally on the third try he just goes all out and she she succumbs to it But she is pleasured by it because she's a woman who, you know, was turned on by aggression and violence. And so this guy's writing out to everyone he knows to say, what do you think of this? And how should I talk about this in, in my class? Because some women are turned on by violence. And I'm like, you know what? But this is funny because that's not even in the same category. When we're, when we're talking about fantasy and pleasure, that's a completely different category from right. assault. I mean, they don't even belong together. And certainly, um, in a professional situation when you're working for someone or you're trying to get further in your career if you're an actress or this or that, we're not talking about like your boyfriend and what turns you on. We're talking about manipulation and uh, violence and aggression. I mean, it's completely different. That's like they're completely yes, different the, subjects. The
0: thing is, you know, I, I don't know. I, to me, it doesn't mean... Uh, explanation all these things are obvious to me the problem is the people who are just plain i don't i don't know how to define it even like oblivious? ignorant ignorant they're either oblivious or they don't care. it's not oblivious to me uh, it's not that they don't care they're just you know
1: like a murderer you know is he oblivious no i don't i don't know because i think that's i think that's the issue and that we can't rush to say that anybody who might cross the line is like a murderer and he's you know we have Why to not? say that because we have to be able to put down some rules so that people are the rules clear. are clear some some people know what i'm saying is some people some people are willing to let themselves cross lines and they might not even be aware of it and they're willing to let themselves cross i'm not saying obviously i'm not talking about rape or even sexual assault but i'm saying that some we have to be able to define it maybe not legally it's defined. maybe it, not it's legally defined. but in a I, social
2: i i tend to agree with you like i think it's very clear when a man and a woman get together or two women or two men or whatever it is like i think it's very clear when there's mutuality i mean i want to use this term that i read in this um new york review of this film that i loved call me by your name Italian, so maybe you've seen it. I heard about it. And he said, you know, in this age uh, where we're, you know, there's all this focus on sort of like the coercive male will um, being used for lust, that it was such, it's such a, a pleasure to watch a film that is pure consensual joy. And I thought, yes, when it is consensual joy, there's no gray area. There's no question. It is mutual. It's beautiful. It like sparks you inside. And I think that those kinds of feelings only happen when it's mutual. Right. Um. But I also don't. But think it's, it's hard to know. I agree what's with mutual. you. I don't think it's so black and white. Yes,
0: but you don't need to be blunt in order to find out. You know, to, you don't need to grab her well, to know if she's. Con- no, of course. But, but I'm, t-
1: I'm talking about. I'm not talking. You can about, talk. I'm not talking you know. about to be clear and no, obviously. Grabbing someone's ass. or something. So what are you? I'm talking, talking about? about, you know, work environments where a guy might say, "Oh, you look good today," or he might be flirting. Oh, you look great. Or right. I don't. Where do you draw the line? You know, and you look, know that, no one that dress is sitting on you night. You know, you can take it step by step, and there's there's you fifty know, shades of I gray. Have to, I
2: have to be honest <laughs> with you, though. But um, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> Like, I just don't think it's appropriate in a work environment. I mean, Mm. I'm uncomfortable enough when I, I mean, where was I the other day? I was like, I told you I I love if if,
0: it it depends what you say. If I say I love your hair today, that I think that's okay. If I tell you (laughs) you're dressed nice, maybe that's not. But, you know, even then there's limits. Sorry for cutting you off.
2: No, I mean, I. I, But (coughs) I have to say it's like I'm so aware of what's. I just think that if you have any art to your game, you have to earn, you have to earn someone's trust before you make overtures in overtures that may or may not lead to intimacy. And I think that to start at the get go, I mean, I know certainly for me, I mean, somebody might say something to me when I'm, you know, pulling my luggage off the luggage thing at the airport right the carousel (laughs) and I'm like I don't know it doesn't make me feel good anymore it's not flattering I I don't want to always be I don't want to always feel like I'm being looked at and I'm being judged and that it's like my appearance is so integral to the way that i move through the world absolutely it's not fun i
1: I think i i I mean look i people uh, tell you you look good all the time so i grab my ass next to the baggage carousel by the way i've i've
2: I've become more conscious of how i talk to guys because i think like i have a friendly personality so i might say oh you're adorable or whatever and i actually think about what if he was saying this to me how Uh would i feel and i'm actually i've become more conscious with my own language oh we don't care <laughs> well you guys are I both think, super hot. <laughs> not adorable.
1: Anyway, I, I'm adorable I, too. What I, hey. what I think is is I'm going to you. You made a good point because I immediately went to the workplace, and I think that 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 that's also kind of in the black and white area. When you're talking about gray areas, okay, I think it is universally acceptable to approach a woman and say you know i don't uh, you know uh i don't know how to translate this to english but uh what? to start up with to hit on her to hit on verbally i can't believe i've lost verbally. my english but just to, to hit on her verbally in, in a in a bar or in a club yeah verbally okay but those same things that you might say in that context are not okay in a in, in the workplace well hold on are they okay in the baggage carousel are they okay in a public park are you get what i'm saying there's there's work and then there's the club but there's a thousand places in between and we have to start asking ourselves what is okay and what's
2: not i think you can say something once maybe twice and you can if also ask someone you if can ask and if you're not getting anything on the receiving end of that yeah. then it's time to let it go right but part of the problem is people don't hear no and yeah. they don't they don't have a sense of, I'm not interested. Mm-hmm. Sometimes women don't want to, like, I think a lot, hopefully part of this whole discourse is going to change that. But I think a lot of women feel a bit timid to just say, heck no. And mm-hmm. so they they try to be polite. They try to be nice. They don't want right. to hurt someone's feelings. They don't yeah. want to. So they're delicate about it and maybe the man does But I want to go back to what you said earlier about, like, this idea of, you know, when do you know what's appropriate and what's not appropriate? And I just think, I mean, I don't know. I, I it's v- it's very tricky.
0: I wanted to say about Catherine Denoub Yeah, do you yeah. So, her name? <laughs> Denoub. so Denoub, uh, Denoub. that uh, they wrote a le- She wrote a letter, wrote a letter. Uh, with like one hundred uh, famous people in France, and uh, it was published in Le Monde, which is the most important newspaper. Mm-hmm. P- where they say that they're against the Me Too movement, mm-hmm. and they oppose it, mm-hmm. and they say that basically they want to be hit on. Uh, without the men have to think about uh, you know etc cetera, etc cetera. Yeah. they're against it and it, it was... reminded me that now when I was in Italy the people on the radio and people don't talk about it you know it remained a conversation um, in in America like in English speaking countries in Europe it's a little different and in, in Italy in the radio there were two hosts and a and a female host and they were talking about the old Me Too thing and they were saying like things that to me sounded horrible, like the guy said, you know, I'm, I'm really for the Me Too campaign, but all these women who come now, they, they failed at their careers. If she failed at her career and now she's going to complain about someone, it makes me think maybe she wants to become famous, and so all the women who have, who are failures... Who come up? I suspect them. That's what he said
1: oh in the radio. <laughs>
0: so, so, and the women, and everyone agreed, including the room, the women. And I, w- I, I would bet that many Italians would concur with this statement. Well, so uh, e. what Chargento I'm saying is, Argento
2: got. In, she was sorry. I a mean, e. Argento, who was one of the ones who came out against Harvey Weinstein, she was right. one of the original people and claimed that he had raped her and. Um, she was lambasted in Italy. I mean, they did not take well to her. So I think you're also talking about cultural differences. Yeah, well, they
1: have Berlusconi and that whole thing. Too. Yeah, uh, and it's disgusting.
0: I but mean... it's not only Italy. It's it's all also France. And so it's uh, what I'm saying is that this whole discussion
1: is also. But, but I want to. I actually. Because that is preposterous to say that anybody who failed in their career is. But I do want to go back to because there was also this viral video here in Israel of this uh, Argentinian uh, girl who was talking about how. Uh, who was also talking against the whole me too movement and she was saying that uh not it wasn't the me too movement because I think it was before the me too movement but she was saying this whole thing where women come and claim uh with these allegations and accusations and she was saying you know it's stopping men from being real men like whistling at me on the on the it? But
2: why is it yeah. why is it that we associate like aggressive behaviors uh-huh. why does it have to be that manliness and manhood has to be associated with violence and aggression why it's a matter of why culture is it, and education exactly why that's is exactly it, i mean to me what about sensitivity what about caring nurturing and ner- i mean men also off. have that but no that's, not that's, true like that's... i'm a woman and i will tell you right now like i think it is it is rare and a be- it is a rare and beautiful wonder when you find a man who's in touch with those aspects of his soul and I think those are the to me that's the kind of man that I want to be with because I want I don't need I don't need a man to hunt for me I don't need a man to bring home the bacon I, take care, I, of, I know. take care of I myself tell just,
1: just tell me you love me I mean we live in
2: for the most part I mean I live in Los Angeles California I live in a safe society I don't fear for my life when I walk down the street I'm not at great risk of violence happening yeah. to my person I don't need a grizzly man to take care of me in that. That but, way. but that's what
1: I'm saying is that oh. is that not an issue? Is that not a <laughs> personal individual kind of uh, basis? Is of that course, not a cultural but... thing that, like, you get what I'm saying? Is that when uh, there? Sorry, but yeah, but what,
2: how does this go? But how does this go back to what I'm This idea is of that... how we determine, you know, what behavior is appropriate and what behavior is inappropriate.
0: But in a perfect world, sorry, in a it's perfect tr- world, yeah, uh, the this sensitive guy you described would, would have. The best would have the woman, you know, that everyone would dream about. But in the real world, the nerds uh, and Um, the geeks and the sensitive guys, they don't win. I make to
2: differ. Everybody wants to marry someone from Silicon Valley today because they don't need aggression. I think we have a substitute okay, in the in modern Philippine world, Valley, which is you have resources, right? Yes. you don't so need cool. you don't need someone who's going to be a big burly man who can like fend off the werewolves when somebody has a big. I mean, we have there's a there's another thing like somebody can bring resources to the table, and that's a source of power.
0: I don't know life, li- how I perceive life is that. Those who I don't, I of course I don't, um, you know I don't think that you need to be aggressive and and whistle. No, but, the, but the, the, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no.
1: I, what I'm saying is that okay. Let's By say, the way, whistling
2: say, is like no, not seriously. so aggressive. <laughs> no, but let's
1: whistling say whistling is okay. Let's say let's <laughs> say a guy sitting on the side of the street and, and whistles and says "nice ass." Right. Okay, that's I mean we we would ass- we would all agree is uh not not a physically aggressive but is cr- kind of crossing the line. Now, what I'm what I guess what I'm asking is there are women out there, mm-hmm. you know, like the the girl in this viral video who would say, I like that. Now, are we saying it's kind of the whole burka discussion is like, are we saying Why would it- they're so uh, subju- uh, subjugated by this system that they can't say what's good for them? Or or can we say some people like this and some people don't? Well, and- I would
2: say unless you're making a living that depends on your appearance It's probably a little bit sad that if the way that you derive your sense of self-worth and your self-esteem is from someone commenting on your appearance, Mm -hmm. that's, yes, that is part of a a systematic sort of indoctrination of women to think that their only value is about how desirable they can be. That's Mm -hmm. what it's about. Now, if you're in a profession where your desirability – you know, earns you a paycheck. And this is a whole, we're going into a whole other problematic. and then we have to talk about prostitution and trafficking and all kinds yeah. of things. But okay, if you're a, if you're a model, if you're an actress, yes, I mean, you, it's important that your physical appearance is the way that it needs to be in order for you to be successful. And you're going to get a lot of feedback about that. But if you're <coughs> just some random person and the way, and you like it because that's what makes you feel good about yourself, then I would say... You haven't developed your selfhood enough. But that's,
1: that's what I'm saying is that I uh, – first of all, disclaimer, I have never and I, <laughs> and I will and I will never and that's not the type of person I am. But I'm saying – what I think is that it's it's kind of – it's problematic to say, you know, you don't know what's good for you. You get what I'm saying? That like you you But I think can't... a lot
2: of I think a lot of people don't know. I think what I wanted to say before about going to like the black and that it's not so black and white, you know where you don't know if you're a man and you're aggressing upon someone. I think there are some men who need to learn, who need to be taught about what behavior is appropriate, who may actually be oblivious. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, Shavit, for example, used the word blind. You know, he said he had been blind. So let's give him the benefit of the doubt and say that he was functioning in a certain way and he was unaware of the impact he was having on others. Which I don't buy,
0: but but You don't have to
2: buy it, but let's give him the benefit of the doubt for the sake of this conversation. Then there's this reckoning, right? This whole thing comes out. He has to do his hanefesh. He realizes, oi, I've, st- I've done my, you know, oi, I screwed up and let me have my soul searching and do what I need to do and then realizes, you know what, I be- I've done self-examination and I behave badly and I won't do it again. Okay. Right. Now, on the other hand, you have another figure who I think what you were talking about is that I think there are some men who might feign obliviousness but who actually get off on aggression and they like when women are it turns them on when a woman is afraid when they see fear in her eyes when she is vulnerable when mm-hmm. i think that is actually that's something that gets them going that's,
1: okay that's that's like you so know that's a psychological saying, issue but that's my problem saying, it almost sounds from your account that course. that Shavit, because you described the scenario where you rejected him a few times and then you, Wait, I think you phrased it that the that you'll you'll spare us the details, but that he wasn't deterred. Meaning, and at that point, I was like, okay, this seems like a guy who not only... I mean, it seems like you made the message clear, but he chose to, 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 pursue. to go, pursue anyway.
2: I certainly wasn't... Um, I wasn't watering the plant, so to speak. But what I didn't do, and what I said at the beginning of this conversation was the minute... The minute the interview was turned into, let's get to know one another, that's when I should have said, I'm out of here. Like, we're either doing it this way or we're not doing it at all. Mm -hmm, And I think because of who he was, because it was him, blah, 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 for all the reasons we discussed, Uh, I sort of... Like, I tried to be polite. I tried to, like, let it roll. That, and that's not the first time, you know. You That's what we have been conditioned to do in a lot of the circumstances. I hope one of the things that comes out of the Me Too movement is that we start to change that behavior.
0: A question from Hila, one of our uh, listeners. She asks about... Uh, first of all, she says, respect for you, Danielle. Thank and you. then she asks... What you meant by the tweet that I will read now. It's a quote from your Twitter. I'm grateful for Ari Shavit's powerful, honest statement. His resolution to do Heshbon Hanefesh, an accounting of the soul, is admirable. Uh, That's the end of the quote. And he last says what's there to appreciate in someone who apologized because he had to. He obviously did, did, did that just because he was caught. He also said that in real time he didn't understand what's wrong with his deeds.
2: Well, first of all, I would say I appreciate it because I'm always appreciative of someone who acknowledges something that they've done wrong and says that they're sorry. I think that's something to be grateful for. And I can only point to a number of men who have denied, who have in turn attacked the women who have accused them. Brett Ratner filed a defamation lawsuit against the woman who accused him of rape. Um, And I would say credibly. Um, You see examples, Weinstein you know, denied and has hired a whole team of people to protect, you know, do what mm-hmm. they can to deter these accusations. I mean, he, you saw the, the extent, agents. the Mossad, I mean, hello. That's that's why I say I appreciate it because I think um, I give him a, a tremendous amount of credit for that. Yeah, I don't but think effort. I don't think Ari
1: Shavit has the money for Mossad agents. <laughs> but I'm just, I mean, I just got to put oh, that he out does. there. Oh, he does. No, but I, I would me. not,
2: I would not even, I wouldn't, I would not put him in a Weinstein category. I mean, okay, I think part of what we need to be clear about here is that there is a, a spectrum. Right. And um, I think Weinstein kicked this off because it was so egregiously bad.
0: But Ari Shavit, like you guys in America, I'm not sure you're aware of it. He would sit every Friday night at on our homes, basically on our TV screens, mm-hmm. and lecture to the whole world about what's ra- ra- about morals, what's right and what's wrong. Unlike Weinstein, you know what I'm saying? So he put himself he was the oracle of pureness and truth. Mm. And then what he did, you know the contrast. For me, it's just as bad as Weinstein because the contrast is so, you know, it, and then what I'll, I'll try to take his side and say um, just for the sake of the argument, aren't you being a little naive, but by that approach of accepting hashbona Nefesh? you know, because for these men, maybe it's the easiest thing to do, and it gets them off the hook and instead of instead of, you know, paying so. a price.
2: I don't think so at all. I think first of all, I think be definitely paid a price. Um I think a lot of these men have paid prices, but certainly Shavit, he took a year off, he resigned both of his jobs. Um, he went into relative obscurity for at least a year. Um, he was publicly humiliated. I would say that's paying a price. There were consequences to that. So I don't, I don't, um, I don't at all put him in the same category you, as as a Weinstein. And pu- I,
1: I'm sorry, you published the article in the New York Times, and he right. actually was invited recently to mm-hmm. remind me to to, to the speak. 92nd Street Y. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, don't you see some kind of uh, and you and you criticized in that article the the his acceptance of that and and uh, you know to go to I mean, don't you see the uh, uh, some kind of uh, contradiction in his Listen, actions and you in know, his
2: words? I have to be honest. When you, from a philosophical standpoint human beings are deeply flawed figures and if there's anything you learn by living and certainly by being a journalist is you learn how screwed up most people are so it's the same thing are we it's the same thing so you say you saw you saw him on tv and he was moralizing and he was talking about you know um the future of israel and truth and justice and these sort of higher ideals but it's the same reason that we have such a hard time condemning the Woody Allens and the Roman Polanskis because they put out this beautiful soul nourishing art that we love that moves us so how do you separate from the the art and and the monstrous man right and I think that's that's our challenge like uh, as a society and as individuals how we want to how we want to deal with that how we want to engage yeah. in that problem I don't think we need
1: to just look at art I mean you can look at it's Martin a, Luther King yeah. Jr. cheated on his wife systematically. the president of the United States No but but Martin Luther King Jr who is like who I mean, brought about one of the biggest changes in American history who kind of made America like reckon with
2: Philander But there's no such thing as moral purity there's just not unless you're jesus christ or mother teresa i mean come on i mean it doesn't exist like we're all human beings and we are deeply flawed figures and i think for me and this is because i am a jew and because i believe in the wisdom of our tradition and our tradition says you can change and it offers this very clear prescription of what steps you need to take in order to change and by the way the first step into shuva is confession you have to name the abuse to, to your victim you need to say out loud this is what i did and not in vague generic terms you need to say i did this i grabbed your arm i did, you know you need to be very very specific that before you say you're sorry before you ask for forgiveness you say this is how i done you wrong and to me that's i mean that's incredibly powerful and if somebody can do that i mean this is why we have opportunity remember, remember the movie dead man walking no. Susan Saranzan and Sean Penn. Very no. profound film. I mean, this guy's on death row for this horrible I think it was like a rape, murder. I don't remember all the details. Forgive me if I'm getting it wrong. Horrible, horrible crime. And he's on death row. And she's sent, she's a nun, and she's sent um to get his confession or to help him sort of cleanse his soul before he's condemned to death you know and they have this profound this profound relationship develops between the two of them where they bear their souls to one another and they they have this bond between them and I mean It doesn't mean he's a good guy at the end of the day, but she connected to him in a human. And that's part of, that's calling on our humanity, that we don't just treat these people as monsters forever, but that we actually see their humanity and their flaws and their vulnerabilities as well.
0: I respect your opinion, but I defer. (laughs) To me... I think the, the, beautiful. The ju- it's beautiful as Thank a concept. You, eight, I it's think it's beautiful, beautiful as a concept, but do, to me, the old atonement in Judaism—it's fraud. I mean, it's it's hypocritical. No one does it. No one has ever done so it in y- Judaism. You would
2: prefer people just not take responsibility people for how they've screwed up.
1: People can't change, in my opinion. I was going to, I thought we were going to like finish on that little monologue. <laughs> no, and it was going to be so a beautiful nice. episode. And then you're I mean, like, I'm the so Beethoven. Not not more. I'm sorry, I'm
2: sorry. <laughs> I was ready for the but, classical music. It's yeah. <laughs> just
0: because Judaism, I mean, I love Judaism and stuff, but I, I just don't believe in it because, you know, history tells us that, you know. The horrible, horrible things. I'll tell you, what. I'll, tell you Jews good, done I'll tell you the good. I'll tell you the good news. Yes.
2: Judaism doesn't need you to believe in it because Judaism mm. believes in you. Okay. <laughs>
1: oh God. Now we can <laughs> sign this off. God. Now we can sign it off. <laughs> it's like scratching a chalkboard. I'm sorry. I can't
2: help it. <laughs> I'm like an unabashedly proud Jew. Jewess. Yes. Yeah. No. I you think... should have
0: been a rabbi. <laughs> not too late. Not too late.
2: You're not the first person to say that, but a
0: rabbi. You I just need I'm the okay. accent,
1: the Jewish accent.
0: I know. Ay. And the black hat.
1: Okay. I, I think I think it's a beautiful uh, prescription and kind of sums up what we what we started with a way to a way to get through this and to maybe uh, um, to, to, to f- I don't know, fix things, but to kind of uh,
2: looking to move forward, forward to, to move grow on after to grow, yeah. to grow our souls and our capabilities as human beings to shed some light and hope and yeah. optimism during a dark time and to say that the future can be better than the past. Yeah.
1: But I think in more practical terms, (laughs) a standard to hold people to task. (laughs) To say, this is what you got to do. If you don't do this, we're going to drag you through the mud. And if Mm -hmm. you do, then we'll let you be.
2: Amen.
0: Amen. Danielle, thank you so much
1: for
2: coming. Before we go, we have
0: a collaboration with the Jewish Journal.
2: Woohoo, which is? Right. I know I know that paper, yes, it's
0: a newspaper and a website uh, about uh, that from Los Angeles, and it has amazing articles and pieces. and Danielle writes there. she has a column, and you should definitely check it out. And this is an opportunity to thank you for connecting us to the Jewish Journal and bringing us in. My
2: great pleasure. you've added um immense uh you've you've added something tremendous and we thank you for it
0: and one last thing
1: uh if uh, the donations go we are um they want money it's (laughs) dish Uh, it out well not to mince words that's basically it we um we're doing this kind of on the side guys so if uh you feel like uh, throwing some cash our way we have a donation button on the uh on on the the website to
0: Uh, njb.com donate
2: and like i said they're very adorable
1: and
0: hot I think
2: (laughs) can you edit that out you're a journalist you're a journalist (laughs) Um, okay okay thank
0: you and enjoy Israel thank you